Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty, the podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zakia Shaw. How you doing, Zakias? I'm doing good, brother. What's going on with you? Oh, not much. It's another beautiful day, beautiful week. It's a great day to be alive. I'm so happy that the freaking sun is coming out finally. Last week was rough, you know, and the sun came out this week, um, and I'm I'm feeling a lot better. I was in Arizona, so it wasn't that bad. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. So what are we going to get into today? Well, you know exactly what we're going to get into. We have another guest on our show here. So first, I'd like to go and introduce Naomi. Let's go. Let's go. Naomi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great, great. How are you? I am doing pretty good. I just want to quickly just say I appreciate you being on the show. You add so much value, and, and we've noticed that when we either are out in public with you or there's people around you, there's light. There's a light around you and, and we appreciate that. And so we want that here on our podcast. So we're a little bit selfish having you on here, but uh, we, we have tons of gratitude that you're here. So thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate you guys having me. When I first started like knowing who you were, it was when Quanda was living off of Highway 11. Yep. And I didn't know at that time if you even had your business yet no i was actually doing it right upstairs from her apartment in my apartment wow yeah so that's crazy and just seeing you grow from then to what you're doing now i'm so proud of you i know so many people are proud of you it's really inspiring you know and we were just talking about it so i feel like a good place to start is i feel like i know the answer that's what i'm gonna ask what would you say is what is your biggest inspiration my daughter of course. Tell me about um, her. Yeah, so I have a four-year-old. Her name is Milani. I had her really young. I got pregnant at 17, had her at 18. So just going through that, especially being the first daughter in an African household and being held to such a high standard, coming from, you know, we were the center of our church in our community, in the Sudanese mm. community. So getting pregnant young out of wedlock, I just felt like I just owed her so much since there was so much doubt put around me. Right. Was I'm sure just culturally that was tough. Oh, of course. You were in Sioux Falls at the time when that happened? Yes. Okay. Yep. So tell me your story, like where you came from, how you got to where you're at now. You know, you had a child at a young age, very similar to my mom as well. She had me at 17. Okay. And I always kind of took that as all those statistics that we talked about earlier are just stacked up against you. And there's somebody like you and your daughter's life. It gives her such an upper hand. Mm -hmm. And I, I see that. So can you tell us kind of a little bit about your journey? Yeah. If I told you the whole journey would be here all night. So I'll, I'll sum it down a little bit. So starting with my family, you know, we, 
my family came to the state 1989, I want to say. And so they came here because my grandfather um, had a contract with the government. I'm from South Sudan. At the time, it was still Sudan. So there was a big war going on, tons of refugees that needed to be migrated into better areas. So he had, he was put on a contract here in America through LSS to bring refugees to America. So he was also the reverend of our church. And so he had big influential impact on our community. And so his thing was, you know, he would bring people here. He'd help get them settled almost like a sponsor. He wasn't their direct sponsor, but he would be kind of that voice between them and their sponsor, get them connected. If they were Christian, get them settled in the church. If they were Muslim, get them settled in the mosque, you know? So just kind of getting everybody settled in that situation. So our family was very prominent in our community to begin with. That came with a lot of spotlight. That came with a lot of pressure. My grandfather, he ended up going back home to Sudan when I was in about like sixth grade. His thing is, you know, everybody comes to America to work, pay bills and die. So he wanted to go back home and live his life. So we grew up here still. We were all still here. My mom, she went to school to be a um, healthcare administration is what she got her master's in. But she also had a beauty salon. And so when I was in middle elementary, actually, we would always be in the salon like all the time. And I absolutely hated it. I never thought that I would ever do hair because we were always there straight from school, straight to the salon. That was our routine. Thankfully, it wasn't too far from Drake Springs. So, you know, we got our kid time in the summertime. But during the winter, we were stuck there. And what that instilled me in a young age is being behind the counter, learning how to deal with money, learning how to deal with finances. That was the one thing that I did like about being there. So that was that. Moving forward, I've always had the idea of wanting to own a strip mall with all black owned businesses. I didn't necessarily want to be behind the chair, but I wanted to have something where it's for like a nail salon, a barbershop, hair salon, beauty supply, just all in a strip mall, all black owned businesses, you know, because what I left out is that my mom eventually shut down due to her arthritis and she pursued what she had went to school for. And so I didn't really have anybody to do my hair. So I was like, this is a big need in the community. You know, this is this is what I want to do. But what I want to go to school for is to be a lawyer. And so I wanted to be a lawyer and I wanted to have those businesses on the side. So I did go to school for pre-law for two and a half years when I was living on you know when I was neighbors with Kwanda um, that's when the pandemic hit that's when me and Kwanda got very very close school got put on pause and so my daughter at this time was just about to be a year old so I started thinking of ways that I would be able to make money that are recession proof and so I started doing hair literally out of my living room floor um, chops. That's one of my like long-term clients. Hey, chops, chops came. He would sit on the floor for <laughs> hours while I would do braids. And he's, he's been loyal to me ever since. Some Gosh. of my friends, my guy friends that I grew up with, like brothers, um, they would come, they would always support me. You know, they'd come sometimes every week and they'd be there for two, three hours wow. on a hairstyle that to me didn't look all that good, but they, <laughs> they loved it. They supported me. Right. Fast forward, um, went and booth rented at a couple different salons, but I just, I had this vision, you know, I knew that I could, I could be bigger than that. I'd go into a salon and I'd be able to bring some of my friends in and fill the booths and things like that. So I had someone tell me like, you, you really have the potential to do something a lot bigger than this. You know, like you, you can do this. You can be the face behind it. And that's kind of what I was scared of is just being the face of the brand. And so I went forward. Um, I had a great opportunity. I found this, I found my storefront on 41st street at the 
time I was going big. to 18th. Yeah, big. That's big. It was big. And at the time I was going to 18th Amendment a lot. So I was like, <laughs> this is going to be great. It's right, right across the street. Like, yeah, we're living. We can oh. advertise while everybody's outside right. in the parking lot doing their thing. We'll be like, yo, we're across the street. Come check us out sometime, you know? So At the lab. At the lab. And yes. yeah, so the, the lab name actually came about when I would be doing, you know, my guy friends that I grew up with, the ones I said are like my brothers. When they would be sitting there and we were doing their hair, we'd be like, yo, like we're in the lab. We're getting our hair right yep. in the lab. That's and that's fire. just how it came up. I love it. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. So with all that being said, a lot of people don't understand how much emotional support and how much support just in general from friends and family that you really need in a business to really be successful. I feel like, you know, yeah. um, they're kind of like the the foundation to your business uh, on that. Now, what I want to know is, is you started a business at a really young age yeah. at 19, right? Yeah, I actually started my business at 18. I signed okay. the lease for my storefront at 19. Okay, well, tell me about that. I mean, most people at 18, 19, like you were saying, I mean, they're they're out drinking, they're partying, their priorities are completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, tell me how you had your priorities so straight. Like, what really gave you that energy? My daughter again. Yep. I'm not gonna lie. I was still out partying, doing my thing, mm -hmm. you know. But I had I seen the bigger picture of everything. You know, I knew at for me at the end of the night, I knew I had to make it home to my daughter. Yeah, and I knew that regardless of what I was out here doing, like this was the bigger picture, you know, this is, this is what's going to happen. I'm just having my fun for now, but I need to grind yeah, you know, at the right. same time. So I'm um, having that support. My friends were huge in that, you know, my mom, my mom was a big push for me. She was great. Nafisa too, at that time, cause she had moved over with me from the previous salon. So that was like, those are the, the biggest pushes for me and my relationship with God, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. I love did, that. Did that grow closer or cause you grew up in a religious family, right? Was there ever a time where, you know, especially when you're having a, a daughter at a young age and stuff like that, was that something that you felt like was holding you back or was that something that pushed you? My religion? Yeah. So it is something that kind of held me back. So I remember getting into the space. I remember Kirsten was my landlord at the time and she really pushed and advocated for me to be able to get in that space and to be able to get on the terms that I needed to because I didn't know any better at the time. I didn't have a lawyer looking over my lease. I didn't have anybody really that knew to what to give me you know it was I went in that building myself I read over the paperwork one time and I signed the paperwork so she really advocated for me and I'm very grateful for her she's no longer with the company but I still keep in contact with her so that was a big thing for me um, my as far as the religion I would say that I kind of tapped out of my religion for a little bit so after after I got the space after I got everything that I prayed for I had a lot of doubts with my religion because there was things that were starting to go left in my personal life and sometimes in business too you know so for the longest time I had this debate with myself about converting because Sudan is uh it's split North Sudan is more of a Muslim area and South Sudan is more of a Christian area you know and so like my daughter's dad he comes from a Muslim family and so I come from a Christian family and so I I felt like I wanted to convert for a really long time and I tapped out of my relationship with God. It wasn't honestly until this year. I fasted at the beginning of this year for three weeks. Yeah, three weeks straight with my church. And that's when I really tapped back into my faith. And that's when I started to really follow my path with God again. What do you think changed after that happened? Did you feel anything change in your business or life? Major shift, major shift. There were so many things that were happening, especially with the people close to me. There were so many relationships that were like coming to a stop, coming to an end or, and it wasn't necessarily like fallouts. It was more so things where like, 
I'm having this realization like, yo, this isn't working out for me anymore. This isn't what what was making me happy before is I can't settle for that anymore. So that what I, is what I would say is the biggest shift. I have like a, a prophet that I speak to through every phase of my life, whether I was tapped in with my relationship with God or not. And he told me once that there is my purpose is as bright as a gold star in a dark room. Wow. It's just yet for me to figure out what it is. He knows what it is, but I need to figure that out for myself. Yeah. So just knowing That's that, crazy. that pushed me forward. And, yeah. and I believe it too. Yeah. Thank you. That's the crazy thing about it. Thank you. I want to take this into a different direction. Yeah. Something that I personally have a big interest in and, and really an admiration of people that come to this country as immigrants or as refugees, however you know, whatever it is, they, it seems that they come here with a mindset that really pushes them. There's an ambition, there's a drive, there's a hunger that I notice, And it's something that's referenced as the immigrant advantage mm-hmm. as somebody that had, cause when did you've been in America? You were born in America. I was born in America. Yep. Okay. Have you been back to Sudan? I haven't. I'm going this summer. Okay. So, yeah. Fingers what crossed. Do you, what do you think it is about people when they do come from other countries to America, what gives them that drive, that ambition? So coming from, I'm not sure if this is all foreign countries, but I I know Africa for sure. When you come from Africa and you have family back home, it is your responsibility to take care of them. You send money back home so you can, you know, it's not here like where you pay rent. It's like you, you're, you're paying rent for a whole year straight, you know, and it's cheap to us, but the value of a dollar, US dollar goes so much further there. So kind of seeing, okay, you could send back at the time. I remember when I was like 16, I sent one of my uncles like $400 and that lasted him for a whole year just to be housed, you know? And so they expect that from you. That's expected. When they hear I was working at McDonald's at 14, I had to cut a check. So, um, so I think that's the biggest thing is just seeing, even though I've never been staying in connection with my family back home, having to help support them, seeing my grandma go to Smithfield, work hard and send over some of her check back and you know, that kind of thing. And seeing the way that my family they even though I didn't grow up back home, they instilled the culture in me. So having that, having my grandma especially instill that culture in me and always telling me, you know, we we came here to work. When our time is done, we're going back home kind of thing, you know. So that was my biggest thing is knowing what the difference in the value of life is in America versus in Africa. And now that we have that advantage here, how we can take that back home and build something big. Right. I want to kind of go off of that topic of what you were just saying there, just because I have a few friends that are from, I have a friend out in Rapid City. He's from Pakistan. I've got a buddy who lives in Buffalo, New York. He's from Alexandria, Egypt. And there's one thing that I, I noticed when they came over, they, a lot of them brought their families, but they didn't forget about their families that were back at home. Oh, like yeah. you're, like you were stating there. The one difference that we see in America and that I, at least I see in my opinion is when kids get to 18, most families are like, when you get to 18, you're on your own. I've noticed in different cultures that that's not like that. You usually see, you see family members and whatnot, they'll live with each other in the same house. And what that does is it splits, I mean, a household income. This allows you to, of course, generate more income in one household and then also have more businesses and stuff like that. And things that I've just like noticed and I'm just like, wow, I mean, family doesn't just stop when you're at 18, as far as that support system, uh, when it comes there, because they, they do that all throughout. And I love that. And I think that's one thing I feel in, in America. 
America needs to change. And another thing is, is, I mean, yes, this is a land of opportunity. You know, everyone, when you, when you do come here, everyone technically has a chance to be, to make something of themselves. And a lot of people that are born here, they don't take advantage of that. They would rather just stay in the exact same system, whether it's an eight to five, you know, making the same exact check. They're okay with not being their own boss. And so when we are around people like yourself, who, I mean, you're a boss lady, you know, and like, and you hold yourself to a high standard. Like that is very admirable. And, and I'm, I'm saying like our, our viewers and our listeners and whatnot, I can guarantee you that they see the exact same thing that we see. And so again, that's, that's much appreciated. And I mean, uh, applause to you. So thank you. I really appreciate, really appreciate that. What do you, what do you think for people that are even just around your age that are thinking about starting a business or thinking about how they can really grow. Cause a lot of times when you work in a job, it's easy to feel stuck, especially when you know, you have more potential, you know, you can be doing more things. You in a situation where, you know, you had all the odds stacked against you started your business. I guess a better question is, was there any key things that happened as you were starting your business that, made it come alive? Was there a certain type of networking event? Was there a certain person that you met? I know you mentioned somebody earlier, you know, that advocated for you. Was there multiple events like that that happened that really brought it to life? Yeah, I think every single person that has been a part of the lab added so much value. I never had something. That's why I'm very particular about who I bring in as a stylist. But everybody that has been in the lab from Nafisa to Kwana to Gucci, you know, Tony, they all add so much value and they all bring a different perspective. And we're really like a family, like outside of the salon, we have our own personal lives. But when it comes to work, we really look out for each other, you know? And so it's nice to have that. And it it was really nice to, you know, even though Nafisa and Kwana are no, well, Kwana travels back and forth, you know, Nafisa's off doing her, her own thing now, which is great. It's really nice to know that you still have good connections with people. You know, it's really, it's, it's really nice to know that you're able to, to, build relationships with people that are lasting. So I would say those relationships that I built over time kind of gave me the mindset of like, oh, okay, you you can do this, you know? How did yeah. you meet them? Okay, crazy. Nafisa I met first. Um, I knew she was already doing hair. And so I reached out to her because I was renting out two booths at the time at Diamond Locks. And I was like, hey, I have another booth. If you're interested, you know, we can get something going. I'm getting busy. I don't have enough time to take over for everybody. So that just worked out. Kawana. She had just moved to town from Detroit. And so I went and got my nails done by her and I told her, hey, um, I didn't tell her exactly that I had signed my lease, but I told her that I was looking at opening up a space. So I was like, if you're interested here in a couple of months, you know, because she was doing it out of a friend's house at the time. I was like, you can come and join me and be a part of the salon. Tony, he had came to cut my hair. I used to rock a low fade. So he came and cut my hair at Diamond Lock. And I was just talking to him while he was cutting my hair. And I told him, if this is something you want to take serious, you should go to school because I'm going to be opening up a space. And so it was literally just conversations like that. And then, you know, Tony went, he went, went to school, came back and he still stuck to the plan. And here we are. Killing it. Yeah. What made you want to go back to school? Because you started the business, Mm -hmm. you were successful, Mm -hmm. you know, what made you go back after already, you know, to what other people and a lot of people look at as being successful? What made you do that? So being a braider here in South Dakota, you don't have to be licensed through the Board of Cosmetology. Since that's not taught to a certain degree, 
here you don't have to go to school to do there's of course limitations but you don't have to go to school to do natural hair or braiding so that's Mm. all i was doing for a while and i started to notice the neglect that people would have with their natural hair and just putting it in braids all the time you know get their hair done in braids take it out for a day or two come right back and put braids back in so they're neglecting their natural hair underneath Mm. so i was like okay i need to be the advocate for people and be able to tell them like hey it's time for you to get a trim it's time for you to put do a treatment in your hair and be the one that's able to do that because i didn't have I had maybe one person in town that I could reference them to for that, which is Ariel Afro's by or she's actually changed her name now to the Divine Afro. That was the only person. And so, like I've always said, there's no way that I could fit everybody in my salon. You know, there's no way. And same thing for Ariel. She's only one person. There's no way. So I just felt like it was important for me to kind of be that voice for their natural hair and be like, hey, you you have to embrace that. You have to take care of that because just because it's hard to deal with or you think that it's hard to deal with because that's what's been taught to us. That doesn't mean that it's true. So just kind of shifting the mindset and how people looked on their natural hair is why I needed to go back to school so that I wouldn't be limited and put in the box of only braiding. I think that's awesome. It makes it so you're you're able to help people in a different way and it's a niche yeah right like there's so many so much opportunity there so that's really cool that you identified that and really push yourself to get the education to capitalize on that that's actually a great i'm very glad that you brought that up because i remember when i first announced that i was going to school i didn't announce it until i was actually accepting clients because we have to go through like a 10-week period of just strictly learning and so many people were like why are you going back to school like why are you doing that and you already have this business that's doing well now you have to cut down your hours for a whole over a year like you're gonna you're not you know how are you gonna upkeep with the business and the bills when you're working like a third of your of your hours exactly so that was kind of like brought me down a little bit but i was like i started this for a reason i'm gonna do it yeah. you know so yeah and that that's really why i asked because i had that question like yeah but you know i looked at it as just being in south dakota you know there's just so much opportunity here yeah. and there's so much like the information and the knowledge that you have and that you can bring to your clients is valuable because there's not a lot of people here that can do that yeah and you're you. somebody that they can come to locally and get a trusted answer on something exactly. you know so that's huge that's huge and it's recession proof so yes. it's like we always gonna need y'all <laughs> seriously seriously i want to go into one last question for you and then i want to actually open it up to uh the part of our episode where we call it roundtable where you start to actually ask us questions you know um, so what i want to know exactly is is why did you accept to come on Overstepping Poverty? And what does Overstepping Poverty mean to you? So first of all, knowing both of you guys, having you guys both come to my salon and support both me and Tony and Nafisa too, that was just, that was great. So I just felt like I kind of owed it to you guys to at least come and be here a part of your guys' show and what you guys have going on. And then two, um, you know, although we do have a lot of mutual friends, a lot of mutual groups, I think we both um, have outsiders outside of those mutuals that it would be really nice to kind of expose both of ourselves to to expose overstepping poverty and the lab as well so that was really important to me to kind of like share our platforms and get it out there because you never know who doesn't know and so yeah yeah well that debt is definitely repaid so (laughs) we appreciate i didn't answer half that question okay (laughs) um, i I didn't realize that till you started talking but the what does overstepping poverty mean to me yeah when you think of it what is what comes to mind what i think about is being kind of put in a box right so as a for me personally as a young black woman i'm a double minority so i'm already put in a box from birth so being able to 
break those limits however whenever that I can is very very big to me so I think overstepping poverty for me is being able to break those double minorities and being able to do what I want to do and not what somebody tells me I can do I I like that that. yeah talk that shit right because that's fact (laughs) thank you you know like and it, it happens at a young age you know where they try to box you in and I think it's for really most people that they try to box you in, but it's those people that think outside that box and can start to believe in themselves. Cause that's a big piece too. Yeah. Huge. Confidence is huge, yeah. you know, but yeah, let's get into the round table if that's absolutely. So why don't you start off? What kind of questions do you have for us? Okay. So you don't have kids, do you? I do not. Okay. So I think for me and Zacchaeus, um, you know, when we when somebody asks us what's our inspiration, we're always going to talk about our kids. You yeah. know, we're always going to talk about our heritage. So for you being an African-American man, you don't have kids. Mm-hmm. What is it for you? What What's your point to prove? Honestly, growing up, I, I had so many roadblocks I felt in front of me that I had to continue to tear down. If, if it wasn't like a specific person, it was a specific situation that I was put in that I had no control over. Um, and so through high school. And I I always, I I vividly remember this. So when I left the Brooks family Mm -hmm. and I actually was with the Roush and Simmonsma family who are my adopted family members, Mm -hmm. I, uh, we had a, a school conference, a parent teaching teacher conference. And I might've mentioned this in one of our episodes, but my mom was sitting down with the teacher and I wasn't a great like student in high school, but my mom was sitting down with the teacher and the teacher looked at my mom and told her, she's like, Hey, you might want to look at a different option for him because he's not going to be able to go to college and it's just not going to work, you know? And I don't know if she just thought that like my mom just wouldn't say something to me on that. And she came home and she told me that. And that was, I was like, okay, really? So she said that my teacher said that the person that is supposed to help me, help me move to give me options or give me, I mean, a path to move forward. And she just told you that I'm just not going to be able to make it. So that fueled the fire right there because as a teacher, uh, you know, in the school system itself there, I mean, they're around our kids every day. They're the next step for the next generation to be successful, to run things. And I didn't feel like they were doing their job. So that one thing there. Secondly, I mean, I've always had a chip on my shoulder. I've always wanted to be just successful. It's just been a passion of mine, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what situation I'm in, I want to make the best of it. So, so that, and then of course, I mean, I've got a ton of friends, family, my wife, you know, around me and, and they maybe not, not, don't expect a ton out of me, but I feel like I I'm I'm expected to to do a ton. So so that I mean it's it's just the world. Like there's so many people I feel like I have to prove wrong and maybe it's a good it's not a good point of view to have, but that's what's just always giving me just the the anger to just do everything, to prove everyone wrong, to just be the next success. And then what I also want is I want someone to look at me and be like, man, he changed the world. Yeah. So that's big. That's, that's yeah. major. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. Zacchaeus for you. Yeah. How long have you and Jenna been together, including dating? Uh, like 11 years. Okay. That's a really long time. Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> right? So um, let's, so I think something that would be good for like the young men today, what is some advice that you would give knowing that, you know, we're in the culture of people don't feel like they need to be tied down to one person all the time. You know what I mean? What is your advice that you would give, like, you know, with having that one person that you've literally started from the bottom with and 
securing that, getting married, you know, sticking through whatever. I'm sure it's not always happy and things like that. Like what advice would you give to people for that? And how does that tie into overstepping poverty? Yeah, I would say there's a few things. So first I would say, you know, there's so much stress that comes with seeing multiple people, Right. you know, there's, there's so many things that are on your mind that you're focused on that you do not need to be focused on. So to the young men out there or any man, really, I think one of the biggest cheat codes and life hacks is to find a strong woman Mm -hmm. to be with and, and cherish her and build her and, you know, take a role that like we're good no matter what. And you know that, and you're confident in that because you know, you got a strong woman with you, you know, and that's like, it's huge. You know, and for me and my relationship, it's never it it hasn't always been the best, you know, and there's definitely things that we've gone through. But another thing is it's nobody else's business what goes on in your relationship. There's certain things that aren't meant for other people to know, you know, and a lot of times in a world like this where so much is shared, it's so valuable to have that with somebody that you can talk to that you aren't afraid to get judged by or you know you can be yourself and it's kind of a safe place in a crazy world and I think that all really ties in with overstepping poverty because like I said it's a life hack that that strong woman for me for instance right now I was able to be here and do this because My wife was able to be home with my son, put him to sleep, feed him, do all those things. And without that, you know, it's tough and people make things happen. And I'm not saying it's how everybody needs to live their life. This is my opinion. And I think it's something that we desperately need in society. And I I see, I think it will change. I I hear from a lot of people that it's really tough to date in this day and age. And if that's the case, Things need to change and just be true to yourself. You know, what would you say about about love? Aspect. No, I'm kidding. Just, <laughs> as, just as far as like, what is your thought on that? Do you think that it's it's important to have a strong man or, you know, as somebody that is look like or looked at as a boss lady or, you know, you're doing your thing. And we hear a lot of about like strong, independent women which you, sh- you should be. But what are your thoughts on that when it comes to relationships? I think it is. I think it's big. I think being looked at as a strong, independent woman puts that much pressure on that much more pressure on you. So being able to have somebody at home where you're because being a strong, what people don't talk about a lot is being a strong, independent woman comes with a lot of masculine energy, 100%. you know, so having somebody that you can really be soft with that you can show more of your feminine side to not saying that you can't do that being a strong, independent woman, but but having somebody that you, you know, just like you said, like you can consult with, that you can share things with that, you know, aren't going to be told to the whole world, you know, things like that. I think that's really important to have somebody in your corner that really roots for you and, you know, wants your best interests. I don't think yeah. you at, at my age, I don't think you have to have it, you know, yeah. but I think that it is important that. You do find somebody that that like that and that you are respecting yourself and that you are respecting your body and you that you're not just out here just dating any and everybody right. just for fun, just for the pleasure of having somebody next to your side. Like make sure it's somebody that wants the best for you. Right. Right. And vice versa. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what's also nice is like, I mean, you got to have someone that's your your yin to your yang. Exactly. I mean, like even like with my wife, like 
I feel like I'm a very smart individual and she's very smart, you know, and there's, there's things about like business and there's things about kind of moving forward, like in an aspect to grow generational wealth, where I see like one side of things and she gives me a different perspective. You need someone that kind of levels you out like that. Not saying that her perspective is any lower than mine and my perspective is any higher than hers or anything like that. But what they do is, 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 I mean, as a team, if you throw an idea out there, you guys can both work together and you guys can make that idea become successful because I mean, two minds are always better than one. And on top of that, I'd say like being in a a really nice, stable relationship, like when it comes to like household incomes and you can bring two incomes to the table. I mean, the stuff is just limitless on what you can do and what you can achieve together as a family, as a, you know, as one, as a unit. Yeah, no, seriously. And I come from a family that where my parents were divorced. Yeah. So it's like, I look at that and growing up in it, being the oldest, I was there for everything. So you're able to take a lot of those things. And my parents were not bad by any means, you know, but there's things that our parents do that maybe we didn't like. And I'm sure you've seen it as you raise your own child that you have to kind of sit and analyze and like, I can't be parenting like that because I didn't like that. Yeah. You know, so... (laughs) I'll bounce off of that idea. Yeah. I'd like to bounce off of that because um, I think growing up in a house where you you come from, I don't I don't like to use the term broken home, but coming from like a divorced home, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. um, you get to see things in a different perspective. For example, like my dad was in the military for most of my life. He remarried. My mom didn't remarry until later on in my life. I'm so going I'd be at my mom's house I'd see my mom struggling to do everything that she could to give us the best life that she could you know then I'd go to my dad's house and I'd go there and you know he's in the military he has good ranking so he just spoils us with money he gives us whatever we want or need we go on shopping sprees when we're there for the weekend whatever we come back so as I got older how that kind of affected my relationships is I don't I don't like that I don't like that, you know? So it's like, I can make my own money. I can pay my own bills. I can do that by myself. What I need from you is something that money can never buy, you know? So that affects you differently as you get older, whereas the average person would be like, what? He got you this? Why are you letting him go? You know what I mean? So it's like, no, that's just not it for me. I feel like you need to, there's certain things that you shouldn't have to ask for that -hmm. you should be able, you know, like when you, of course it's a learning process, but I think when you have somebody that you're really committed to building a life with, you go out of your way to make sure that their needs are met sometimes even more before yours. So a hundred percent. I really like that because it's something that I've thought about and I I've seen it on social media or whatever where it talks about when a family gets a divorce or a couple gets a divorce majority of times one of those people will end up in poverty and when I look at my family and what I want to build and you look at stuff like that it's like we're moving away from the stuff that we've been plagued with over the last few generations yeah you know and I think that's the energy that is so important to get out there and to push to people because it's like all the stuff that we do see on the internet and social media, it's like, there's a lot of positive stuff that I like to see, but there's so much negative that makes us think that a lot of things that don't really matter, matter. And it's tough to see sometimes, but Mm -hmm. you know, that's what we're here for. That's why we want to bring this information to people, you know, and, somebody like you coming on 
and, and us coming together and all the things that we want to do in the future, I think is going to bring so many people together. Yeah. You know? And I really think that people look at you as like, I've said before, like an inspiration, but also like a leader, you know, you are a leader. We Thank all are you. leaders. And that's to the people that are listening out there that have that drive and have that feeling of you're stuck. It's because there's bigger things meant for you, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're feeling those things, that leader is inside of you and you may already be a leader. It's just a changing your situation or your surroundings, changing the way you think. Yeah. Changing the way you think for sure. One of the final questions that I want to ask you is as a community, not just here in Sioux Falls, but as a whole a collective, what's something that you think we can do better as people just to take that first step towards a better future? Ooh, let that envy go. That would be my biggest one. Let that envy go. Let the envy go. Tell me about that. There's five seats in a car. There's one driver. Everybody's going to get to the same place, you know? Mm. So I think that when people see where you're going in a route, people, it's, it starts to go from, oh, how did you do it to why her very quickly, you know? Mm -hmm. So instead of being the why her and why not me? I think it's important for people to kind of take a step back and like reevaluate themselves, reevaluate your circumstances, reevaluate. It doesn't even have to be your circumstances. Reevaluate your environment and see what it is that you can do to do what you want to do. Because there could be somebody watching this podcast that wants to go start their own, do the same thing that I'm doing, but I'm not going to do it like them and they're not going to do it like me. So there's room for everybody to do whatever they want to do, you know? So I think that's the biggest thing in our community is somebody starts to do something and instead of wanting to go support because maybe in high school they bullied them one time or something like that, you know, or maybe they had a falling out earlier in their life, you know, instead of wanting to see them win, there's just so much envy that goes into things. And it's not always something that's presented to you where it's like, oh, this person doesn't really like me, you know? It's always, it's always going to be in a sneaky way. So I would say that's the biggest thing with our community is there's just a lot of envy everybody always wants to make it to the top first but like i said there's five people in a car sometimes seven and there's only one driver everybody gets to the same place i love that because yeah. that's the power of coming together yeah that's the abundance mindset like oh she's doing it i want to know how i can do it and put my own spin on it because i know we both can be successful exactly it doesn't have to be one or the other there's you could tell us right now in your market how much need there is oh super it's big you know so like if somebody came and was doing the same work that you do yeah it's not gonna hurt you yeah and i think that's the same for a lot of people like it's an abundance there's abundance all around you you guys so yeah it's not always the underdog either sometimes it's the person some it could be somebody like myself that's like oh i already have this much control over the market now this person wants to come and do it you know don't be that person be that person that's yeah don't gatekeep like there's no point in gatekeeping the more you help the more blessings are going to come your way so with that being said if there's people out there listening to this right now can they feel free to reach out to you oh one thousand percent Okay. 1000 Naomi Laurel on Facebook, Naomi.hairdoctor yes. on Instagram, message me. The lab. Yeah. 41st Street. Yeah. Let's come go. to the shop. Come yeah. just come catch a vibe. <laughs> yeah. And so this is the part of our episode where we give you guys five tips, tricks, or hacks. And as you know, we will be having our guest today, Naomi, give you five tips that she would give her younger self or maybe even her daughter. Um, number one, there's always that one person in your family, I feel like, that stands out to you. For me, it's my mom. It's not always a mom for somebody. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your 
grandma, grandpa, maybe it's your aunt or uncle. Stay rooted and stay connected with that person. You know, that's that. There's always that one. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a friend's mom, you know. So there's always that one person that wants the best for you more than you want for yourself you know like they would give you their last so stay really connected work on that relationship with that person because you're gonna as a young person you take so much more from them before you two i would say do it with the nose you know do it with no energy do it with no money in your bank account go to the gym when you don't feel like it start that business when you have no money you know reach out to your friends and try to do something when you're not feeling it the, your best. You know what I mean? Get dressed when you're not feeling good about yourself. So do it with a nose would be number two. Um, three, focus on your health overall. You know, health is wealth. Focus on your, your mental health, number one. Focus on your physical health. That's important. I know I, I slack on that sometimes too. You got to be mindful of what you're putting in your body, whether it's what you're listening to, what you're eating, things like that. I think that's that's major. You know, when you're doing good things for yourself, you feel good about yourself. Four, it's okay to have fun, but you need to, at some point, you got to put a cap on that. At some point, you got to know your limits. You know, you can go out every Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday for a month, two months. You know what I mean? But what's the purpose of that? You know, figure out what, get that out of the way and lock in when it's time to lock in. Oh, five, set the boundaries. Uh, you know, lock in with yourself and set those boundaries. You know, to my 16-year-old self, I would say not all of those friendships that you think are going to be forever are forever. So focus on that relationship with that person that you know is forever, that older person that looks out for you. You know what I mean? And um, lock into that and set those boundaries with yourself, whether you figure out those boundaries through dating, you know, whether you figure out those boundaries through failed friendships, find those boundaries and set them before you're willing to commit to any person or situation. I love that. Yeah. Boundaries are so big too. huge so big. <laughs> and a lot of the times Lana, don't beat yourself up because a lot of the times you don't know the boundary until it's crossed that's a bar yeah that's a bar Told you right I there. Freestyle, she yeah. did tell us that she could freestyle <laughs> and she's wrapping it up with that so yeah all right well thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to overstepping poverty and thank you naomi for being our special guest this week thank you for um, having me absolutely absolutely a lot of added value we appreciate you so much and until next time we're signing off thanks for tuning in to another episode of overstepping poverty we hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought-provoking we know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in overstepping poverty.